Good morning. Oh, man, it feels good to say that again. Welcome back. Welcome back, guys. It's good. It's good to be with you. I'm excited to share. All right. Everybody's out. going to start with a quote that I used in this series before that we're going to continue today. All right, Derek, close the door. It's official. Here's a quote this morning. Before man ever came on the scene to do what he did that would separate us from God, God already planned what he would do to bring us back to him. Wait. Religion says you have to be good so God can love you. The word of God says God loved us before we were good. And then gives us everything we need to walk good, to be good, and to live good. Good morning, good morning, good morning church. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're gonna, we, we started um, back before the summer, we started uh, uh, going through the book of Ephesians chapter by chapter, and, and we didn't finish before August, and so I wanted to wait till most of you came back to continue and finish, because it's such a powerful book, man. It's so important. There's such a crucial message in Ephesians. It's, it's a full it's a full meal, man. There's life in this word. There's, it's identity. It's encouraging. It's informative. It's leading. It's convicting. It's guiding. It's full gospel. Amen? It's only six chapters. You can read it in 15, 20 minutes. You know, depending if you did Hooked on Phonics or not. Yet we can preach through Ephesians for a year and still grow. And still, still be be touched by it and still be encouraged by it. So, so let's, let's just pray right now. Father, we, we just ask God that you would talk to us today. Father, some of us came hungry for a word. Some of us came desperate to hear from you. Some of us came desperate to meet you. Some of us are here, God, and, and, and we need you. Some of us are here and we don't know why we're here. Father, I ask that you would speak to us personally Speak to us as if there is nobody else in the room. Speak to our heart, our mind, our soul, Lord God. Help us to receive your word. Let it take root in us that we may grow and be changed in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let me just... uh, I'm going to read just the first portion of Ephesians 1. We don't have time to go through the whole thing, but, but I just I, there's so much in the first little portions. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 3, it says this. And listen to the, to the key words in this scripture because it's so powerful. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. So blessed be God who's blessed us with everything in the heavenly places, even as he chose us. In him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption 
Those are beautiful words. To himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Amen? So when I finished going through the the first three chapters the last time, I kind of wrote something (coughs) to sum up all all three. You know, if this is... This, I want to give you Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 in, in just a two-minute spoken word. Amen? Here it is. Every spiritual blessing in heaven you say I'm blessed in. Before the beginning of time, you picked me to rest in. Predestined, no Calvinist. You chose me, but I play a part in this. Free will. I can choose you because you chose me first. Your grace draws me in. You're not afraid of my sin or the trouble I've been in. In Christ, I'm forgiven. I said, your grace draws me in. You're not afraid of my sin or the trouble I've been in. In Christ, I'm forgiven. You paid full price before time, a cost that was mine, that's redemption. You chose me as a son from the wrong one, that's adoption. Holy Spirit, down payment, I'm sealed with the Spirit of God. I couldn't earn it, work for it, or deserve it. You left a will and I was named in it. Your penmanship. Created in Christ for good works, I'm your workmanship. Gentile or Jew, it doesn't matter to you. If you believe in Christ, we're included too. Jesus broke down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility, making me a member of you and you a member of me. Unity. That's the main theme of this letter. God sees us all the same. No one here does he see any better. We're one body with many parts, one Christ in many hearts, no division. No longer a stranger but a fellow citizen. Being fitted together, one temple, one cornerstone, Jesus the head, no man alone, get alone or go home. There's no time for that. The mystery of God has been revealed. Everyone who believes receives a seal. Filled with the fullness that comes from above, how wide, long, high, and deep is his love. Of what we can ask or imagine, he's able to do more than we can measure. So to God be the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. 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 That's the first half of Ephesians, TSF version. Amen. See, the first half of Ephesians is our calling. It's our commission. It's what he's done. It's it's God's part. And the second half, the next three chapters... The ones that we'll start to wrestle with, we, we started a little bit before the summer came, but, but the, the second half of Ephesians, that's our challenge, that's our part. I love the way this letter is, is structured, it's, it's beautifully poetic. Paul is telling the church, listen, this is who you were, this is what God's done, this is who you can be in Christ, and this is God's plan. 
By the way, if you didn't hear that message, God's plan during the summer, I need you to, to, to go online, follow us, get, get connected with that one, uh, follow the, subscribe to the podcast, listen to God's plan. In, in that message, I, I, you, you'll hear my thoughts on Reformed theology, on Calvinism, on, on Luther, on, on all of that. You know, the, 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 there's a lot of teaching going on today that says, you know, God created the elect to go to heaven, and he, that means he created some to go to hell. If, if you have questions about that, God's plan, check that out. Okay, so God's plan for us, though, is to live lives reconciled to him and, and reconciled to each other. He sets us up to have a hope and a future with, with purpose. And, and the more I get into the word, the more I study this and the more I see this, it's, it's almost like God is saying, listen, I won't take you if you won't take him. I won't walk with you if you won't walk with her. And that's crazy. Because we, we all want this, our own personal Jesus. And he's just for me. And he's just to comfort me. And, he, and Jesus says, you can't have me that way. First and second command, love God and love each other. Right? Walk with him. Or I can, and so, listen, depending on your background and how you grew up, you might have this picture of God. I talked about this before. We have this picture of God as the ultimate punisher. Right? If you grew up depending on your background, Catholic or hardcore or Pentecostal, God is trying to catch you crossing the street before confessions, in between confessions, just to punish you. He's the punisher. But that's not the God of the Bible. Amen? Ephesians alone tells us he's the father who signed your adoption papers before he met you. He's the God who forgave you before you repented. He's the one who set aside provisions for you before you asked for them. The God who paid the price before you knew it was owed. The one who chose you before you made a choice. He's the Father that gave you every spiritual blessing and equipped you to walk in them, to be strong, to be fearless. He's the God who tore down temples to dwell in us, making us the church. And that's the thing we have a hard time with. That's the thing we don't get. There's so many of us even right here, right now. You come to church, but you don't really see yourselves as the church. You don't understand what it is to be the church because of everything they've seen and heard about the church. Amen? The sad thing is a lot of us are at fault for that. Since the beginning of church, church folk act like they don't know how to act. No, amen? But understand, if you look at the scriptures, all there's letters, Ephesians, Galatians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Romans, Timothy, 2 Tim, those are all letters to the church, telling the church, listen, encouraging them and admonishing them and correcting them from the start. It, all letters telling the church, listen, remember, we walk different. We walk different. When Paul writes a letter, when, when, when these letters go out to the churches, he's saying, remember, we walk different from everybody else. The world around you might be doing this, but we walk different. Society might say this is good or this is legal, but we walk different. 
Your friends might walk this way or walk that way, but we walk different. Some churches might be acting this way or that way, but we walk different. Romans 12 says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We walk different. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Francis Chan just put out this new book called Letters to the Church, and the, the preface of it is this. If Imagine if you had no experience with church at all. You've never heard of the church. You've had no church experience. And all you had to reference was the Bible. What would church look like? So he left his mega church and he's doing small group home churches. And I'm not sure that's the answer, but, but the churchianity that we're dealing with is so far removed from, from what it started out and what it set out to be. We've become a body of regular attenders who jump from church to church dependent on styles of music and preachers and who say, who says hi better or who has a better coffee or who has the coolest building. That's not church. That's not the body of Christ, amen? There's this series on Netflix. Greenleaf. Anybody watching Greenleaf? I'm not, I'm not endorsing it. Somebody put me onto it. I'm not going to shout them out, but I'm not endorsing it. I'm just confessing to you that I'm watching it. And it's about this mega church. And, this, and the family that runs it and how they roll, how they do life together. And from the first two episodes, I got so angry. Yeah. And how they portrayed the church. And then when I saw that Oprah was behind it, I said, that's why. Of course Oprah's going to trash the church. Of course she's going to be with all her new age nonsense. Of course she's. But as I kept watching, I understood I can't blame Oprah for what the church has become known for. We can't blame the world for what we've become. We are always meant to walk different, but our biggest struggle is that we want to walk like everybody else. Now, now that's not a, like a true story of a real church, at least I hope not, but, but the scandals are real. Church leaders living in multi-million dollar mansions, flying private jets, catering to the affluent, pretending to care for the poor pastors sleeping with their assistants and then sitting on the pulpit people on church staff sexually abusing people and taking advantage without a shred of the fear of the lord i watch this show and i get scared that god's gonna catch me watching it and i'm not doing the stuff that they're doing But I kind of like, I'm going to watch it like walking, just like this in the room. But meanwhile, I'm binge watching. I'm watching six episodes at once. But I don't want to sit down and say, you know, that God can see me comfortably watching this show. Don't judge me. (coughs) I look and I say, "Where, where is the fear of the Lord? How, how, do, how, do we just live, how do we just walk like everybody else walking just because we got a $700 suit on? 
We think it, it cleans things up. See, when I read and study and preach the word and the scripture, I see what God says to the church. He says, we're not supposed to live that way. We, we walk different and, and, and don't get, you know, it's not just pastors and leaders, it's all of us. Matter of fact, I pray today you all walk different when you leave here today. I'm sorry if you came to church today so someone can tell you, hey, it's okay, you're trying, God loves you, and stops there. Yes, God loves you. Yeah, it's good that you're trying. Yeah, it's good that you're here, but that's not the full truth. Amen? You came to the wrong place if you just wanted to be butted up today. Paul is telling the church at Ephesus and the church as a whole, he's saying in in chapter 4, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, walk worthy of the calling to which you have been called in our relationship with God, in our relationships outside the church, and especially in our relationships in the church, with the church, of the church, by the church. Walk worthy. And, and, you know, I hear that and what stands out to me is I have a calling. And because of that calling, I have to learn how to walk different. Do I do it perfectly? Far from it. I understand when Paul says, listen, there's things that I want to do that I don't do, those things that I don't want to do, those things I keep doing. Anybody? Don't be hypocrites. Come on. So don't please, don't ever see me up here yelling at you and, and going off on you because I'm walking, I'm telling you, sometimes I do what I shouldn't do and sometimes I don't do what I should do. But here's what the word says, Ephesians chapter 4. I I put this one in the message Bible because I love the way uh, Patterson says it. He says this, I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. See, the kids are crying. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily. How many, how many are familiar with the fits and starts? You, 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 you have a fit with your life and you say, you know what, that's it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to church and I'm going to get my life right. I'm going to do the right thing. And, 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 and some of you are, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm even going to tithe this Sunday. Oh, my God. And, and fits and starts. And then when the offering comes around, you're like, well, you know, maybe not a tithe. Maybe just, you know, uh, I got a couple of loose singles from the, from the $7 coffee that I bought. So I dropped those loose singles from the balance of the 10. But next week, I'm going to, fits and starts. Next week, I'm going to start. Next week, I'm going to, next, you know, I'm going to come to prayer. Next, yeah, I'm even going to come to prayer. You know, that church is crazy. They don't even pray every week. They pray every other week. I'm going to, that's not a lot to ask for. I'm going to go to prayer when Wednesday comes, but not this Wednesday though. This is a bad Wednesday for me. Let me check my schedule. He says, not in fits and starts, but steadily. That means even when I fall, I get back up and I pick it up and I do it again. 
That means even when I shortchange God, I get back up and I, go, and I do it again. And I try it again. Because God's not the punisher. He's not trying to catch me uh, riding dirty. He, he's trying to encourage. He's trying to get me to walk different. He's trying to get me to do the right thing. And he's encouraging. The Holy Spirit in me is leading me and guiding me to, to, to step out and to do the right thing and to walk different. Amen? What a picture of the church. Look what it, it says. Not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love. Watch this. Alert at noticing differences. And quick at mending fences. My God, what, what would happen if the church was like that? Alert at noticing differences. Let's break that down a little bit. You're sitting here in worship. And, man, where's that? The two brothers that always sit right here. Where, where that? Alert at noticing differences. Man, where's that sister? She used to always be at the front worshiping. I haven't seen her in like four weeks. Wait, alert at noticing differences. That means you're coming in and you're worshiping and, and, and the spirit in you is, is looking at the spirit in, in us. The God in me is looking at the God in you. And we're saying, hey, and, and Manita, man, you're not looking too good today. No, don't say that. That's a bad way to say it. But like, and Manita, you're not, you, don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you, you look like you're not yourself today. You look like something's weighing you down. You look like you're not, you know, you, you're usually, man, with your hands up worshiping. And, and brother, you look, you look discouraged today. You look angry. What's going on? Alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. That means when that person tells you, well, you know why I'm acting like that? Because, you know, you offended me last week. How I, I didn't do nothing to offend you last week. Quick at mending fences. You know what? I'm sorry, my brother. If I did anything to offend you last week, I'm sorry. Quick at mending. You said, but why should I say sorry for something I didn't do? Because we walk different. Because we walk different. See, some of you are quick to point that out for me. Well, Pastor, I wasn't there three weeks. Nobody checked on me. You didn't call me. You didn't. Come on, I got to know it. We, that's us. Stop putting on me what you should be doing. Amen? Verse 4, you were all called to travel <coughs> on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father over all who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. Everything is permeated with oneness. Everything we're called to do. What a picture of the church. There's beauty in God's plan. Look, we learned in Ephesians 4, when, when, when we started it, that he, he gives us gifts. And, and there's, there's tons of passages of Scripture that talk about all these different gifts. There's 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4. But the point is, we don't all get the same gift. You know why? It's the beauty of God's plan. You might have one that I don't have. I might have some that you don't have. But the word says we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Why? Because we're one. So what I have, you have. Come on. Come on. What you have benefits me. You know, God gave you a gift not for you but for me. God gave you a gift for her. 
God, God gave it so that together we would have everything. Amen? He's a good, good father. How do you teach kids to share? You, you give them something that will only work if they share it. If you give both your kids the same thing, you give them two PlayStations, two systems, they'll never talk to each other and they'll be spoiled little nasty children. Because they have everything. You make them share, now that builds character in them. It doesn't make your house quieter. There'll be fights. But how, how as a good father do we, we give you something that'll only work if you share it? Come on. Because we're one body in Christ. Listen, he gave me a left shoe and gave somebody else a right one so we will learn how to walk this walk together. You might also find that the one in the left shoe might always tend to walk a lot faster than the one in the right shoe. That's marriage. That's a picture of marriage. How do you think marriage is a picture that God uses to bring us closer to him? That's why. What is he doing? He said, God, you mix match because this guy walks 100 miles an hour and I, I like to walk like I'm in a float. Well, maybe, maybe God is trying to get one of you to slow down. Maybe God is trying to get one of you to pick up the pace. <laughs> Too many Christians are still limping because they're a left shoe and they only want to hang out with left shoe people. And, and that's why they have two left feet and they can't dance. They say, if she's the one with the right shoe, I'd rather be barefoot. God says, then be barefoot, but be out of the kingdom. Because, it, because of that, you won't grow physically. You won't grow spiritually. Because of that, the church, if you don't grow, the church doesn't grow. Do you, do you get that? If you don't grow, the church doesn't grow. Because you are. Wow. All these pastors are wasting thousands of dollars on all these books on how to grow your church and how to build better. You, it's stupid. If the church doesn't grow, the church don't grow. If the people don't grow. Amen? Church, we have to get this right. We have to walk different. See, the enemy couldn't stop us from being the sons and daughters of God, but he tries with everything he has to stop us from walking as sons and daughters of God. Yeah, that's tweetable right there. This week, read the first three chapters again. Look at everything God has done for us in Christ. Everything he's, he's given us and, and prepared us for. The, the last three chapters present a challenge. It's a responsibility. Luke says in Luke 12, to whom much is given, much is required. The great theologian uh, Peter Parker Spider-Man quotes it this way. He says, with great power comes great responsibility. See, we've been given so much, and the danger is that we would all take it for granted, that we would continue to walk the same way that we always have and treat one another the same manner that we always have. And that's, we, we're called to walk different. Amen? Can we start to tear down the walls? That Christ already tore down for us. 
I know that's hard with so many Hispanic people in a room. That was a joke. It's all right. Because we have our own, we're rough people sometimes, right? We're strong characters. I'm not even going to get into the strong women that we have. Let's not even go there. I might get beat up. This is metal, right? But we've been given so much. Let me, let me close with this. <clears throat> we'll get further along in Ephesians next week. We'll get into chapter 5. And chapter 5 is going to step on everybody's toes just to warn you. I don't even want to be here next week. Um, let me close with this. It's just a, a, a picture that, and a picture that I want to leave you with. There's a peculiar story that we find in Genesis 32. Worship team, you guys could, could just start to make your way up. We got a lot to do today. We're going to end a little early, maybe. Well, we don't know that yet, but when a pastor says he's closing, that usually means like, you know, the part two, second half. There's a story we read in Genesis 32. Let's, let's put that up there so we can kind of read it, go through it together. Genesis 32, starting in verse 24, it says, And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven, striven with God and with men and have prevailed. The next, this is such a, a weird story in a weird place. And, and you can read tons of commentaries and, and stories about this, and everybody says something different about it. I just, there's a lot more deeper theological framework that we can pull out, but that's not, without all of that, I just want to leave you this picture. Sometimes in our doubt, in our disobedience, in our rebellion, in our stubbornness, Sometimes in our mess, in our trying to get our own way, we could find ourselves wrestling with God. Anybody? I want you to notice here that the word says, Jacob was alone and a man wrestled with him. Jacob didn't go looking for somebody to wrestle with. Jacob was already in a bad place. He was already separated from his, from his family. He was already uh, uh, left the, the, the father-in-law that had, that had uh, swindled him for 20 years. He was already on the run from him. He was already um, um, heading to meet his brother Esau, who he had cheated out of his birthright and his, and his blessing. And, and then he, and he found out that Esau's on the way to meet him with an army of 400 men. So, so Jacob's not looking for no trouble right now. Jacob's not looking for somebody to wrestle with. It says he was alone. He, he sent half of his camp this way and half of his camp that way because he wanted them to, 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 to see if, if, you know, if he attacked this way and killed all of them, then at least maybe I'll still have half. And then he, he also sent 
he sent three different sets of servants with gifts. And I mean like, you know, donkeys and camels and sheep. And, and, and he said, space yourselves out so you, you hit my brother at different, at different intervals. And so when you get to him, you say, look, these are all the gifts that, that Jacob brings you. And then, and then you show up and say, look, but, and these are all the gifts that Jacob brings. You know, Jacob that you want to kill. And, and then the third guy is going to hit him and say, look, these are all the gifts. He's trying to pacify Esau. So he's in a bad place. And so right now it's nighttime. How many know at nighttime your, your problems get magnified sometimes? At nighttime, sometimes when the darkness comes, we <coughs> our problems get illuminated. So Jacob was alone and a man wrestled with him. God came to wrestle with Jacob in his mess. God hears his cry. Jacob had always been uh, the deceiver. He'd always been somebody who's always wheeling and dealing. He's the, he's the salesperson. He's always with the quick, quick words, and he's always p- has a plan. And so he prayed. Jacob prayed out earnestly to God. He said, God, deliver me from, from my brother. Deliver me from this situation. But then he sent the gifts and the gifts and the gifts and, and split the camp. So, so he never trusted God. He never really submitted to God. He said, God, I need your help, but I'm going to try to figure it out my own way. Anybody? And God hears his cry and stoops down to meet him. See, God meets us in our funk, in our fear, in our coldness, in our hard-heartedness. God is not afraid to wrestle in the dirt with you. such a beautiful picture. It says he wrestled all night with Jacob to bring him to the point of submission. Jacob wouldn't submit. Jacob had never really submitted to God until this point. He had always tried to work things his own way. The word says that when he saw he couldn't prevail against Jacob. Now, that doesn't mean God couldn't beat Jacob in a wrestling match. How many of you know that, you know? The word says that when he saw that he couldn't prevail against Jacob, we know that it doesn't mean he can't beat him because we see that with a touch of his finger, he threw his whole leg out of whack. He dislocated his hip. So it wasn't that he couldn't beat him. It was probably that Jacob wouldn't submit, that Jacob wouldn't surrender to God. Listen, a a quick hint. Whenever you're fighting with God, give in as soon as possible. That's a good word right there. Whenever you find yourself fighting with God, the quicker you surrender, the better you'll be. In your weakness, you'll be made strong. So it wasn't that he couldn't beat him. He probably just, he wasn't surrendering to him. And so God wrestled with him all night. Why does God wrestle with us all night? When he sees that Jacob is not going to admit his weakness, he's not going to surrender, he's not going to say he's helpless and he needs God, he, he dislocates his hip. Sometimes God will cause us pain 
to help us understand our situation. God speaks loudly in pain. People hate that. Sometimes we have to experience pain. We have to experience loss. We have to experience hurt. We have to experience betrayal. We have to experience separation. Sometimes in in our pain, God is wrestling with us. If you've been there, you can... If you're not there yet, you're like, I'm hating this message. So he dislocates his hip. I, I can't imagine if any of you have ever had a hip dislocated. I can't imagine the excruciating pain that you're going when this entire leg and its nerves and its muscles and everything are pinched, are out of joint. But it says that, but now he says, but Jacob holds on to him. He can't wrestle with him anymore. Because his leg is out of joint, because he's in excruciating pain. This isn't a picture of, of an imagined, this is real life. This is happening. He, he's in pain, and so he, he, he grabs onto him, and, but, and, and, but now, now God says, let me go. It's, I've, I've, it's enough. It's daybreak. It's, I've wrestled with you all night. I've been with you through the darkness, and you still don't see me. Let me go. It's, it's daybreak. And at this point, Jacob holds on to God. And he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. And that's what God wanted all along. He wanted Jacob to hold on to him. He wanted him to stop trying to get things and to make things happen. And and many say God could have touched him any other place. He could have incapacitated him any other way. But he touched his hip because he's telling Jacob, I want you to walk differently. From this point on, you'll always, in the physical, you'll walk different. And it will remind you that I've called you to walk different. My prayer today is that wherever you are, wherever you are today, whatever your struggle is, whatever your mess that you've gotten yourself into, how, how far you've run, how distant, how cold you've become, recognize today. That sometimes in the middle of our darkness, God steps in. And he gets down into our mess, not to beat us, not to pin us, not to punish us, but to get us to turn from our stubborn ways. And to get us to surrender to him and to confess our weakness and to repent of our stubbornness. And after our encounter with him, to get up and to walk different. Come on, let's, let's stand, church. If you need to come forward today and wrestle with some people, go right ahead. If you need to wrestle with some things, come, come and meet us. We're here. We'll meet you at the ropes. If you need to be broken, just come. If you need to come forward and confess, just come and confess. If you need to repent, say, God, I'm tired of doing it my way. I'm tired of always trying to, to, to work things out my own way in my relationships, in my, in my finances, in my 
<coughs> in my marriage, in my, my parenting. But I just encourage you as we just kind of, the worship team comes and just plays softly and just leads us in a little time of worship before we move on. I just encourage you to have that conversation in your spirit and say, God, I'm not going to go until you bless me. I won't let go until you bless me.
in a tomary would you do it again oh lord there's a time to heal in a time to build would you do it again do it again you said you said consecrate yourselves to me together this morning. If you're one that committed to walking different, and maybe you were stuck walking the way you're walking in the past, but now you understand that God has given you everything you need, everything you need to possess to make that walk a reality walk today. We're going to leave here with joy in our hearts, with a new strut, with a new pattern, God's pattern, with steps already ordered by the King. The King is among us, His glory surrounds us, His fire is falling. Savior is for us, His love is victorious, rising in His day. Let me say, the King is among us.
exciting time. We're going to have, uh, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 people from the, join the team, join the ministry team. And we're going to meet next door and it's, we're going to learn about all the ministries that we have going on and, and get people plugged in because, amen, Ephesians says, I don't want you sitting on your hands, but I want you walking and, and working and walking, amen. So we're excited to join you. We're going to meet you next door right after the service. Please, when you leave, Remember to pick up and pick up things with you. Straighten up the chairs. We got a service starting again now at 2 o'clock, TSF Espanol. In case you didn't know about that, there's a, there's a Spanish service. We do this again in Spanish. Not me. We have a whole other team that comes and does this again in Spanish at 2 o'clock. If you're not aware and you need people, you have people that only speak Spanish, bring them 2 o'clock. Amen? So please prepare the place for round two. And those of you that are joining us, come join us next door. Have a good time together, amen. So go ahead and just release it. You are mighty people yeah, of God. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your blessing, for your care, the fact that you notice us, oh God. And we pledge in this place, Lord, that we will walk in your walk, oh God. We will talk when you say talk, Father, that we will strive and desire to be more like you, oh God. Father, you're changing us each and every day, Father. Our desire is to get better and better each and every day, oh God. Well, we thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your mercy, oh God. When we don't get it right, you give us a new mercy every morning to do it again, oh God. So, Father, your patience is unparalleled to anything we've ever known, oh God. And it's because of your patience with us we stand here today to be a blessing once again. You are blessed. Continue to be a blessing. Have a wonderful week.